I see the headline of Yoel got signed to Bellator at 205. And I go, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be wild, man. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. And we are back here on the Dope Blog. It is me, Charles Day. I am here with my partner in crime, Tim Owens. What up, cuz? What's up, man? How you doing? I am doing good. It's been a, another clusterfucky week in December 2020 when it comes to the fight game. But me and you are here to talk all about it. Last week, there was a woman's flyweight title change in Bellator. Two undefeated women went at it. And let me tell you, the champ, Alimale McFarlane, or the former champ, Alimale McFarlane, pretty much got dominated in her fight against Juliana Velasquez. And it was a good fight. She, was, she had nothing but respect for her opponent in the loss. Made me like her even more. Um, but she really did get beat up in that fight. And now Velasquez is the champ at 12-0. and 0. Alima Lay is 11-1, and one, and I would totally be down to watch a rematch of that. But that's just what we've missed since the last time me and you recorded, because we recorded right before uh, Bellator 254. So yep. that was kind of that night last week when we were recording. Since then, UFC 256 has happened, and Bellator has had a couple of signings. So where do you want to start when it comes to UFC 256? Because I had the misfortune of missing it. What about you? What is your feeling coming out of UFC 256? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, uh, you might hear a little bit of excitement, excitement in my voice, and that's because it was a, it was a great card. It's kind of shitty that you did miss it. I'm sorry that that happened, but I 100% recommend going back and watching it because 256 was above and beyond kind of what we expected. I mean, some people were like, oh, this – this is a, a sneaky good card, you could say, right? But it, it wasn't that obvious that this was going to be such a good card. And it ended up being just amazing. And even with the championship bout at the top of the, the card, Davidson Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno ended up being a definite contender for fight of the night. So, or not just fight of the night, for fight of the year. It got fight of the night. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Had me on the edge of my seat the entire time, especially with the co-main and main, you know, Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira was another one where I was unexpected turn in Tony Ferguson, where I didn't see him getting dominated the way he did just a quick background. Um, I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but that fight, for me was a very surprising one because I was, I was not on that Charles Oliveira train and the way he dominated Tony, not only in the standup, but on the ground was unbelievable. I mean, you can make the argument that, uh, that every round was, you know, a 10, eight round. That's how dominant Charles Oliveira, Charles Oliveira was. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, I was, I was speechless, honestly. And it ended, I mean, it ended as a, decision but it could have ended in that first what if it was someone else other than tony ferguson because he got his arm stuck in an arm bar to the point where it it basically broke it was going the opposite way of what an elbow should look like so but that's credit to tony ferguson being the insane 
man that he is. It, it was an unbelievable card. Loved every moment of it. Yeah, the prelims had Cub Swanson in the prelim main event defeating uh, Daniel Pineda. And they also had your girl Tessa Torres as the yep. opening fight. So it was a good prelim just from looking at it. And then on, on the undercard of the main card, you had Kevin Holland once again not with a knockout win in the first round. 5-0 and he, oh in 2020, yeah. Yeah, he's five wins this year in the middleweight division. Dude is definitely staking the claim to come at Israel's title. For sure, yeah. He, he defeated Jacare in a weird fashion. A lot of people are, are talking about it right now because they were on the ground kind of in a scramble, and he was coming off of his back and kind of on his ass, him being Kevin Holland, and he just threw like a – like a stay away punch, almost like, like, you know, back up, I'm trying to get up. And he had enough force to put Jacare out and he knocked him out basically sitting on his ass. And then he stood up and finished off the fight um, without Jacare being able to even get back up. Uh, so. After that win, Kevin Holland is at 10 on the middleweight rankings. And you can make the argument he should be a little bit higher after five wins in one year, especially the knockout run he's on. But Ten, 10 on the rankings ain't bad. It doesn't mean you won't get a title fight. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and I heard him uh, talking with Ariel in an interview um, that he's not concerned for a title yet, which which I, I kind of like. He He's sticking to that. He wanted to actually fight six times in one year and beat, beat the record for most fights, most fights in one year. And he even stated to Ariel, he was like, hey, look, it would be nice to have a title, but 2021, it looks like I want to do – six fights in one year. I was able to pull off five in seven months. So give me 12 months. I could definitely pull off six. So hats off to him. If that's his goal, just sticking to breaking records, not only looking for gold. So. And was it him that was trying to call out the BMF champ game bread, or was that somebody else that was knocking out dudes this year that was calling out for that title? I think it might have been him. I can't remember. The The most memorable one is when there was a an Apex fight, um, a UFC Vegas fight, where Kevin Holland was jawing off to Israel that was in the crowd, if you remember that one. Yeah, that was a couple months ago. I definitely remember that. That was that, was that one where he, where he was kind of just jawing off to Israel and Israel's in the crowd like, uh-huh, I see you, I see you. And that, I mean, definitely a fun fight. I want to see a little more from Kevin Holland. I mean, five in one year is, is – unbelievable you know i think the going. fight to make would be either kevin holland and uh kelvin gastelum or kevin holland and maybe like apollo costa yeah oh yeah exactly uh, apollo costa would be a lot of fun uh that would give paulo something to brush the loss to izzy off of and that gives kevin holland a real top five name you know he he's also talking about Derek bronson because him and Derek have been I guess in this intermittent social media beef in each other's DMs kind of thing. That would be fun too. But yeah, I'm thinking of Kevin Gastelum, maybe Derek Brunson could be fun. Even, you know, if they don't give Marvin Vittori the shot to Israel right away, get, give him a Marvin Vittori, you know, he just fought uh, the previous weekend. So something, a lot, a lot of fun stuff for Kevin Holland and good on him. I mean, he can almost get fighter of the year uh, with those five fights in dominating fashion. I mean, it's not like only one of them went to decision, I believe. Everything else was a uh, stoppage. So he's been kicking ass. And as far as the co-main, Oliveira and Ferguson, Charles Oliveira, my bad, is third on the lightweight rankings now behind Poirier and Gaethje and obviously the champ, Khabib. Yeah, a well-deserved bump up. 
Well-deserved bump up. Yeah, I was going to say, no, I don't even have much to say there because that seems kind of obvious at this point. I'd like to see Oliveira and Poirier possibly go at it. Either one, Gaethje or Poirier, I really don't care. That, either way, that should be a good fight. Oliveira's definitely on the he's, – he's got the momentum going into the fight right now. Yes, he does. I mean, like I said, if you, if you didn't get to see it, um, I know you didn't get to see it, so definitely go back and watch it. The way he dominated Tony Ferguson, a lot of people – might might have questioned it. Is it Tony Ferguson getting old? I don't think so. I think it's a it's a a testament to how good Charles o, Charles Oliveira actually is, and um, it's not a Tony Ferguson getting old kind of thing in my eyes. We, now that that could be wrong. You know, it can go back and forth depending on who you talk to. Especially myself, I I'm on one side of the fence one day and another side of the fence depending on what I saw. So, you know. I think it's a thing where he's coming up in the ranks. So that was a fun co-main. You had Mackenzie Dern coming back, getting a win via decision. You you talked about the preliminary card with Tisha Torres, the Sam Hughes. That was Dr. Stoppage after the first round. Um, she wasn't able to see out of her eye. It was, it was just overall a good amount of fights, a lot of stoppages and a couple couple decisions, but a lot of stoppages. Short card, but at the same time, a, a fun one. So – it was really cool. And, and then one card after so much turmoil because that card looks nothing like we expected when we were even looking ahead a month ago. Oh yeah, nothing. I mean, so many people dropped out. I mean, it was it was insane. It was insane. So many people dropped out of that card. So it, it was Usman this, Burns and then it was gonna be Remember, it was Usman Nunes Burns and and the Lioness versus Megan Anderson. Like that's what this card started as. That was that was the beginning. That was months ago. Is what that card was supposed to be. And then it turned into Jan versus Sterling for the bantamweight yep. title. Yep. And then Sterling had to drop, or Jan had to drop out. I can't remember. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just a back and forth. It looked like we were going to lose a lot of people to that one. Even the the main card was supposed to be Marvin Vittori, and he ended up having getting replaced. And that's when Kevin Holland um, stepped in. I'm pretty sure because. Marvin went up uh, a couple weeks to fight in the previous card uh, to fight against Jack Hermanson. So, yeah, it was kind of a clusterfuck all over the place. Like I said, clusterfucky month in MMA. <laughs> but you yep. know who had a big week since the last time me and you spoke here on the Dope Pod? Hmm. Yeah. Anthony Rumble Johnson. I thought this light heavyweight, former light heavyweight contender in the UFC was done with fighting. No, last uh, last week it broke that he is signing ways, signing ways. Last week it broke that he is <laughs> signing with Bellator MMA after parting ways with UFC. Yes. He is 22 and six in mixed martial arts. Dude got hands of stone ready to knock anyone out. The only, the only reason he didn't become a champion like everyone expected is because he ran into a very underrated Daniel Cormier. And now he is walking into Bellator and it's fun to see fighters obviously having respect for other fighters. One of my favorites in Bellator, Corey Anderson, had that funny meme he put up where mm-hmm. it shows him eating out of a bag of popcorn. The popcorn says Bellator light heavyweight division. And the second he opens the bag, out comes the little brother who's supposed to be rumble. He's like, shit, I can't have nothing. Like, yep. That was a, that was a good meme. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and it's, it's good to see that, you know, competition's there, but at least not only is Corey Anderson still eyeing up that light heavyweight title, now the light heavyweight division has Rumble Johnson. And before 
We talked about the next big signing Bellator had. Rumble said it's a business decision. And this is from MMA Junkie. He pretty much said there's no bad blood. He said, business-wise, it's just smart for me. I'm going into a different field outside of MMA. It gives me a little bit more leeway to do a little bit more. Honestly, with the UFC like that, you probably can't really do a lot of things that you'd want to do because they're such a strict company. When you have rules, you have to follow them, man. I'm not trying to break any rules, so why not just do our thing? Show each other love and respect. It is what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. He took. He's he's been out three years. You know that. Depending on who you talk to, that could that could translate into a juiced up uh, <laughs> Rumble Johnson. That's that's what a lot of well, people actually think. according to MMA Junkie. Because I know if, if I, <laughs> that kind of sounds like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like depending on who you talk to and depending on what person you listen to, they could sway your opinion and say. Well, that's because he wants to be a little bit stronger and a little bit bigger. <laughs> well, yes, that's definitely a, a criticism of other MMA companies in the past outside of the UFC. But according to MMA Junkie, what Johnson is referring to is his delve into the cannabis industry with his company, Rumble Time Consultants Incorporated. So, quote, the UFC has a strict policy when it comes to the sponsorship rules that Johnson respected and accepted. However, Johnson said because of the rules, the split made sense. And this is more yes. of Johnson talking. Yes, yeah, exactly. The same thing. I'll be able to help push Bellator and my own business at the same magnitude and just go forward. With the UFC, they already have a strategy on how they want to do things. Everybody knows that. You have to respect it. I respect them. They respect me. Why not just do our own thing and everybody goes home happy? Yep, yeah, exactly. And and what he's specifically referring to and something we've talked about and something we can get into a little deeper at some point is that Reebok deal. Reebok plays no games when it comes to sponsorships. There ain't, there's nothing. You can't, the only thing, only person that's ever gotten anything off, I'm pretty sure is Conor McGregor. And that's obviously we know why. And that's not even on the fight gear. That's on the canvas. Yeah. That has nothing to do with Reebok. And you're right. We probably should get into the Reebok deal the next episode because it's going to be holidays. And like we said already three times, it's a clusterfucky month. And we have no idea what's going to stick right now in the UFC or Bellator for that matter. But Johnson is 36. He hasn't fought, like you said, in three years. Coming off a loss to DC, which is nothing to be embarrassed about. Not at all. And it's cool that he wants to pick that fighting back up, but also wants to promote his own company, his own cannabis company. You know, uh, not to get political, but fucking legalize it and decriminalize it. But anyway. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's ridiculous. Even When we're talking about most major sports now, or even the UFC, they don't give a damn anymore. As long as you're not high within the week, I think they said. As long as you, they have a way to test within the week if you have consumed cannabis. So it's insane. Whatever. Even that's fucking ridiculous. It relaxes you. If somebody's drinking THC tea at night after training, I really don't care. But correct. <laughs> one last quote from Rumble: Separating from the UFC was a little tough because that's been my home for so long. I built up who I am fighting in the UFC and knocking people out in the UFC. It's had a lot of meaning to me as. To, to be a UFC fighter, but the journey has passed now. And now I'm onto a new journey. I'm looking forward to knocking people out in Bellator just as much. Yep. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see him in Bellator. I just was excited to see him fight. Cause like we said, it was 2017 when he last fought. Right. And perfect segue because I'm the perfect host, obviously. <laughs> Do you know who his Bellator debut will be against? I'm sure. Oh, I do, but let the people know. Oh, I do. <laughs> when you're thinking in your head, who's Rumble Johnson going to debut against in Bellator? Well, 
Believe it or not, the UFC also re released the Soldier of God, Yoel Romero, and it looks like both their Bellator debuts will be against each other at 205. That's what I'm saying. Yoel's and, moving up. Hold on. We have to put our cards out on the table, cuz. Yoel Romero is one of our favorite middleweights. The fact that he's fighting at light heavyweight we can get into right now, but I'm just saying as far as middleweights go, when I first heard this news, I was like, yes, Yoel, go after that middleweight title. What a good fight against Musasi. This, this should, should be so awesome. And then what you text me, he's fighting at 205. And it wasn't even like I saw this headline yet. I was like, oh. <laughs> Rumble versus, versus Soldier of God. That's right, exactly. The minute I saw, because I'm like, oh, they got you all. Same thing. In my head, I'm like, oh, nice. Middleweight's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be really cool. Uh, he can go after that middleweight title. It's going to be a ton of fun. And then I see the I see the headline of Yoel got signed to Bellator at 205. And I go, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be wild, man. <laughs> and also another MMA junkie source, the 13-5 and five, Romero spoke to uh, ESPN in Spanish. I like how they clarified that, which is always good because some people do mess up translations. Yep. Citing a name here is just speculation because there are still things that I can't speak on right now, but it's a great possibility, Romero said. There's a 90% chance that he, Johnson, will be my first opponent. It's a fight that a lot of people will be pleased if it happens. Yeah, I have no argument. I mean, it's a, it's a fun one. It's a really fun one. You know, you got Anthony who's been out for a little bit of time. Rumble, you know, Rumble's been out for a little bit of time. He's 36. He's not old, you know, to, to say the least. He's not old. But then you have Yoel who has been fighting and losing decisions. It's not like he's been getting destroyed. He's lost the decision in every one of those losses. But he's on the older side at 43. And to not be fighting is a goddamn shame because he is he's exactly what I want to look like at 43 years old. Holy shit. Like <laughs> the fucking beast is what he is. Yeah, it's insane. So it, it's a lot of fun. And then it's not I, I kind of like the 205 too because he doesn't have to suck down. Like when he weighs in, when he was weighing in at middleweight, he looked very depleted. So I only wonder how much he actually weighs come fight night, you know? So at 205, he should be a beast. He's such a good fighter. It's one of those things where it's hard to picture what his career would have looked like if he came out of Cuba at a younger age because he started fighting all over the globe. It's just annoying because at his age, he would have matched up in the rise of UFC so well, especially at the middleweight division, that it's just like disappointing seeing that he has only less than 20 fights that we consider professional. Right, exactly. When I mean, yeah, most fighters his age are now like in the 40s. Right. Again, four of those losses, so he's 13 and five, four of those losses came in recent years. Two to Robert Whitaker, one to Paulo Costa, one to Izzy. Paul, the Paulo Costa one being one of your favorite fights, I know you told me. And yeah, right. That is, no, for real, that is top five favorite fights ever for me. You, you I wanted Yoel to win, but as far you, as you know, know, let's go, that is a classic. Yeah, let's be honest. That decision was garbage, but <laughs> I don't listen. I like Paulo, but that decision was garbage. It was he was getting chipped up the entire time. And the other two losses, you know, before that were Robert Whitaker, Robert Whitaker. You know, those were those two championship bouts where those were some wars that Robert and Romero went through. I mean, absolute wars both times. Um, and then, as we all know, the most recent loss to Izzy. Again, all went to decision, every one of them. So, you know, he's not, he's not a terrible fighter. I think a lot of them, if the, if 
the judging was different. And you can always say that no matter what. We'll always talk about the judging, especially in combat sports, boxing, MMA, whatever you want to call it. Judging always becomes an issue, and that's why Dana always says, don't leave it in the judges' hands. But sometimes you can't do that when you're talking about top-tier guys. It's, it's not that easy to say, don't leave it in the judges' hands. So it could have went very differently, his career in the UFC, but it ends and it goes to Bellator, and I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for some people to, to see. So. And I misspoke. He's a former silver medalist in the Olympics. Yes. Wrestler, even though dude got hands and was built like a brick. Oh, shirt. that's what's the craziest part. Everyone forgets. He is a, a, a Olympiad. He's a fucking silver medalist in the Olympics. Un, unbelievable wrestler, wrestler and never uses it. No, never he stands up and squares up and, and people think he's a striker when he's actually a wrestler. And he must be real. We're big fans of him, but he has some of the most shadiest not quite cheating, but you can call it cheating type moments inside the cage. But it oh, it's that. Listen, three timeouts. Not to talk shit on Cuba, but I'm going to talk shit on Cuba. It's, it's a little bit. It's a little bit <laughs> of that. A little bit of that. Oh well, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just taking our time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, bro. So this He's is again from MMA Junkie. <laughs> this is Romero talking. I think there are many athletes at 205 with great quality. We were looking at it with his management team and the quality that exists in Bellator at 205 taking out the champion the Russian guy of Vadim Nemkov they currently have five or four athletes Yoda Machida who was the champion of the UFC in this division plus three athletes that fought for world titles in the division and they were ranked at the top five when John Jones was there who in my opinion is the best pound for pound yeah of course Romero talking so he goes on to say I was training before they released me from the UFC to fight in January so it was soon I'm still with the same training, so I'm ready to fight in February. I'm ready. I'm prepared, and I'm happy waiting for big things to come. And for big things to come, you need to be hungry and happy. All the, those top fighters at 205, that's who we're aiming for so we can get to the top. So it sounds like not only is dude ready to fight, he's ready to start making bank, and it sounds like he's very confident he can finally hold some gold. Right, exactly. I mean, you got a ton of fun fights there. You got Rock. You got Ryan Bader, you got Vadim Nenkov, you got Phil Davis, Leota Machida, uh, Rafael Carvalho. Uh, I don't. I agree with Chab when he says this. Do not give him fucking Melvin Manhoof like they did with Corey Anderson. I don't need to see that. I want to see a real fight. Okay. Amen. Amen. You know what I mean? Oh my God! What if they give him Corey Anderson? Like that's what I'm saying, right? Like right off rip. Okay. We'll take both UFC. We'll take all three of your guys, and it's going to be a little bit of a round robin between them three. <laughs> I want to see Romero. I want to see Rumble. I want to see Corey Anderson. I don't got to see them all fight at the same time, but I think in 2021, there should be that Romero Rumble fight. There should be a Corey Anderson versus the winner or a loser of that fight, depending on however the Bellator rankings shape out. Because as of right now, the Tapology ranking is about a month old. I know there hasn't been that many light heavyweight fights in Bellator in the last month, so we can kind of go over that. The, at the light heavyweight rankings, um, they got Darth Bader at number one. Ryan Bader, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they have Phil Davis at two, and then the champ, Vadim Nemkov at three. Like I said, these rankings are outdated. So I don't know enough about Vadim Nemkov. Dude is 13 and two, which is nothing to be ashamed of or sneeze at, especially when you are holding the strap. So Correct. who should get him? I don't know if Corey Anderson deserves it after one win in the division. Definitely not. Uh, of course, yeah, not a not a win against Melvin Manhoff. Not to cut you off, but no, no, you don't get a shot at Vadim with one win against Manhoff. Like, come on. Oh man. yeah, I'm just saying it on some like they have 
this list has Corey Anderson at nine. So yeah, you, you have like Chael Sonnen. You have yeah, this, this list is outdated because it's all that. Um, yeah, outdated as fuck because Chael's like I'm not fighting. <laughs> yeah, so this this is such a weird division because they're so much older than the UFC, but that's not saying they don't have elite talent. Like me and you kind of stress that the heavier weights. Early 40s isn't a death knell to the career. If you're bad, you should retire. But if you're still being competitive and you feel healthy, you know what I mean? It's like, we want right. to, you don't want to see right. anyone get permanently hurt out there. But if you are in such a shape like Yoel Romero is, no one is talking about Yoel Romero retiring, which is kind of crazy given his age. Right, exactly. It's not like we're talking about BJ Penn kind of thing, right? Where we can, we can say that because same relative age, right? Yoel's 43, BJ's 42. BJ does not look like he should be fighting ever again, right? Um, like versus, that for about five years, if we're being honest. Exactly. Versus Yoel, where it's like, like we just said, like we mentioned at the top of this, he's not really lost. I mean, he's lost. Yes, on his record, he has L, so we can't say he didn't lose. But it's not like he was getting destroyed like BJ's been getting destroyed for the past X amount of years. Yoel Romero hasn't got destroyed. The closest thing he got to destroyed, in my opinion, was the Israel Adesanya fight because he got outclassed in that fight. It was ridiculous that he thought he got robbed in that fight. Yes. It was a boring fight for, the, for people that wanted you know, us to say that word. It was a boring fight compared to both of the fighters, other fights. But as Correct. Far as beating Yoel Romero and living to tell about it, Israel Adesanya did what he was supposed to do, ended up winning by decision. That was at UFC 248 back in March. Yeah, you, yeah that, that one is one of those where you're no matter what you're going to say, yeah, it was kind of a boring fight when you look at both of their resumes. But when you talk about how technical a fight it was, if you're looking at it for the ones and twos, the X's and O's, that was as technical as it could get from, from Izzy as technical as it could be. Yoel couldn't do anything. And we both know they're, they're counter strikers, both of them. So that's why it looks boring, but Yoel didn't even come forward. I don't think once. Not enough, not enough for a challenger. And I remember people complaining, what is Izzy doing? He's winning. That's what Izzy was doing. Right. Izzy doesn't need to do shit. He could just sit there and, and wait all he wants. He has the strap. Come get the strap. You know, what's crazy. So we're looking at 2021, looking forward into 2021. There's a realistic possibility that there would be a Leota Machida, Yoel Romero fight. That will be yes. a rematch from their fight at UFC Fight Night Machida versus Romero in June 2015. Yes. That's just crazy to me. That's just, that's just crazy to me that mm-hmm. at it six years later, both these dudes are still fighting. More so Leota Machida because I was with Rogan when he thought there was going to be an era of Machida. And, it, and it's kind of like, you know, he, you know, John Jones happened at the division, if everyone forgot. Yeah, remember, that was Leota Machida's era. Like, it, it, it was. And so he's still one of the biggest light heavyweights that Bellator can have. And I'm a big fan of him, so I'm not knocking that rematch. I'm just saying it's crazy that it's a rematch that's already six years old. Like, yes. I feel like Joel Romero's been around that long, but he has. Correct. Yep. He's been around um, longer than that, but you know what I mean. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. His first, so, so looking at his UFC career, his first UFC fight was in 2013. He had one strike force fight back in 2011 before that. Yep, yep. And that was his only, like I said, that was his only loss up until the first Robert Whitaker loss in the UFC. That was his only loss before that because everything else, if you're looking at his record, those are all previous to that are all wrestling bouts. You know, he was going through the regional circuits in Germany and he was winning in the regional circuits, got to strike force, lost that one, 
And then from then on, it was UFC win, 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 all the way up until Robert, the first time, the first championship, uh, that vacant bout for middleweight championship. And so. he didn't win the, the interim UFC middleweight championship because he didn't make weight, which goes to your original point on this pod, I mean, about how he'll probably be better off fighting at light heavyweight given his age. Yes, 100%. Better off. The, the cut's going to be much easier for him. It's going to feel better for him. I feel like he'll have more energy in there. You might see him actually wrestle. One of the, one of the thoughts behind it, and I can't remember if it was DC or I don't remember who I was listening to, but one of the thoughts behind him not wrestling as much as he should is because well, people don't realize if you haven't done it, wrestling takes way more out of you and puts a lot more blood into your limbs than you realize. And especially that age, it might be difficult to recover and strike if you're going to use the wrestling that you know. It's not easy to wrestle like that. It puts a lot of fatigue into your limbs. So that might be a reason for why you've never really seen him use it. But, you know, speculation. <laughs> yeah. And just so we give the guys a little bit more credit, because obviously we're big fans of Joe Romero, and there's a recency bias here. Rumble Johnson, his perspective fight, this, this kind of like a dream match, if we're being honest, because three years ago, this would be $60 we're throwing down to watch this pay-per-view in HD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Rumble Johnson, like we said, 22-6, and six, but only two of those losses have happened since 2012. Yeah. And they, yeah, I was going to say, and they're both Daniel Cormier, so nothing to scoff about, really, right? I mean, oh, we're talking about... You're in, in, and listen to the, the next two losses. So, the, the, those are losses in 2012 and 2009 for Rumble Johnson. Your boy, Vitor Belfort, at UFC 142. Once again, no shame in losing to him. And no. then here's a name drop for you, Josh Koscheck. Oh my God! Rumble was eight and th- eight and two going into that fight. Was eight and three after the loss uh, submission rear naked choke at UFC. Two thousand nine. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand nine. I don't know. If, you know. I don't know if the program is going to pick us up talking at the same time. So you you were just shocked at two thousand nine. Yes, man, we are old. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> we are. Old. That was the uh, that was the fun times. That, and, dude, that's what I'm saying. Imagine if um, Romero was in the UFC back then. Oh, man. It would be. In, his, in his late 20s, early 30s, and the middleweight division he would have been going in into. Because he, he might have been light heavyweight, but we, who knows? But it's just, you know, lots of what imagine, imagine, imagine with that. Be, and a lot, of, a lot of it has to do with the way Cuban sports get handled. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they, it's, you're part of a national team since since childhood, basically when it comes to Cuban sports, especially Olympic sports like wrestling. Yes. Olympic sports. If you're not Olympic sports, they pretty much push you into baseball and which I, I only know this because I was looking up something when it comes to soccer, you know, world football. And, and it was like, how come Cuba doesn't have a better world football presence? And it's pretty much because they take all their athletes. And if you don't do an Olympic sport, even though soccer is in the Olympics, they kind of push you to the other, you know, things they believe you can meddle in. Exactly. Yeah. They want, they want you in things that they want, they want their name recognized for the Olympic sports. They take Olympic sports very seriously. And, and, but then again, it's funny because kind of like here in America, it's American football, right? That's kind of like, if you can do that, you do that. Exactly. It's exactly right. Cuba, like, it's baseball. It seems exactly. to be like baseball is that, is that sport that where it's just like, yeah, it's not an Olympic sport, but. But if you could do it, you better fucking do it. Right. It's one of, it's one of those things. I mean, I remember listening to an interview, and I don't remember whom it was with, 
but I remember listening to an interview of Yoel talking about that program. I think it was on Joe Rogan years ago. And he was talking about how, yeah, you, the, those programs were very serious in Cuba to the point where if you were the best, you were getting the best food. You were getting the best treatment. You were better getting the best schooling if you were the best. And if, and everyone, it was like being always in this high stress environment because everyone under you was always looking for that best spot because you got the best food, the best treatment, the best place to sleep. If you fell off that top spot, that's it. You're back down into the lower ranks again. So he, he said how it was always a high level amount of competition, especially growing up in that Olympic area of, of uh, sports. So Dude, it, it's a crazy, it's crazy to think about it. That's real life because how many people don't even like pro wrestling anymore, but they listen to those shoot interviews on YouTube or watch shows about the backstage politics of the sport. Now times that by a hundred and, and put that into air quotes, legitimate sports. Like, right. It's insane to think that you have to do Hulk Hogan level politicking just to get some decent quality in your life. Correct. Insane. Insane, man. And, and you're doing that against your teammates. If you're doing- Again, yeah, that's the thing. It's not like these guys are going to be, you, I mean, you might face them in the Olympics. You know how that, uh, it can work out that way, but most likely you're not facing them. So you're talking about, yeah, guys, you got to share a room with share, share life with you and you're stabbing them in the back or they're stabbing you in the back just so your life can get better and then people wonder why yoel romero don't give a fuck he's taking an extra 90 seconds on the stool <laughs> exactly because he's getting paid six figures no matter what you asshole he's no at- matter what right I'm, I'm gonna throw some water down bro i need to cool off real quick you know what i mean shit dude it's a different world and, and i'm saying this from a point of privilege being an american from the, the east coast like we ain't from Cuba, dog. Like, we didn't have to have that struggle. And, you know, we said, we say the quote, you know, we paraphrase the quote all the time. It's hard to fight when you're sleeping in silk pajamas. And when you grew up the way Yoel Romero grew up, he's 40-something, and he ain't lost his hunger to fight. So that tells you how dangerous this dog is, old dog is, when that's why I keep saying, oh, man, if we would have got him earlier, imagine how hungry he would have been at 28. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, he's, 15 20- years ago. 15 years ago, in December 2005, imagine a 28-year-old Yoel Romero in that UFC. Correct. Correct. Exactly. That's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely insane. I mean, up until 2004, 2005, he was still in the Olympics. He was in the 2004 Olympics. Like, so you're talking of what, a five-year difference before, before his, fu- his first MMA bout? And when you're talking about that, 2009, uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson's already getting wins in the UFC. So you're talking about a huge difference. And that's just to bring it back around. That's a perfect example of, I would have loved to seen a young Yoel in UFC strike force, any of them, any of them, man. Yo, the UFC 15 years ago, just for context of the listeners out there and other fans like us that just like imagining this crazy shit, the UFC back in 04, 05, 06, that was the Ortiz Liddell rampage Jackson era. Yes. That's them in their prime. And yes, there isn't a necessarily a middleweight lightweight division in some cases. So take away the 5, 15 pounds and put him even at light heavyweight back then against a Tito Ortiz, another world-class wrestler. Can you picture a prime Tito Ortiz versus a young Yoel Romero? That is legit a, a dream fight for me. Right. And to speak on that, let's talk about 2004 to bring back the reference again, where we might be seeing now a different Yoel, so we wouldn't have it. BJ Penn was fighting back then as well. 
So and Vitor Belfort was the, exactly, exactly. You think of yeah, th- like I pulled up just a random card in. Me too. I pulled up UFC 50, 51. Yeah, I was gonna say I pulled up a. Re- I think what I have is title fights, and these were different title fights in two thousand four. Vitor v- Belfort versus Randy Couture. BJ Penn versus Matt Hughes, Frank Mir versus Tim Silvio, Randy Couture versus Vitor Belfort again, Matt Hughes versus GSP. That's what we're talking about in 04. Oh my God, imagine GSP versus young Yoel Romero. Even if Yoel Romero got ran by GSP, because GSP was God back then, let's be real. Yeah. The monster, it would have created, like, it turned Romero into back then. Oh, it's. Yeah, that could legit change the, you know, the projection and the direction of an entire division when you insert a raw talent like that. Because once again, we're seeing him at 43. Imagine if we didn't have Vitor Belfort until eight years ago. Oh, my God, yeah. Could you imagine? Oh, my God, that would be terrible. And did you know your, your boy Vitor Belfort signed a one? Yeah, I saw that a little bit ago, right? I, I'm I just I went on the Wikipedia, you know, our best friend when, when we're doing on the spot lookups. Uh, oh damn, he's been signed there for a year already. I feel like yeah, man, I was gonna say it happened. It happened a little bit ago. Time is flying. I feel like I just watched him in, in UFC, and now he's... I know. Uh, well, you got to think, Vitor again. One of those examples where, and this is definite. He uh, needs a couple supplements to get him back to where he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. Listen, my favorite fighter. I'm not going to act like, oh, no, he's this natural guy. No, no, no. When USADA came in, you saw the difference, <laughs> okay? You saw the difference in the UFC when USADA came in. A juiced up Vitor Belford is dangerous as shit. <laughs> so if everyone couldn't tell, we're both very excited about these Bellator <laughs> signings. The point where I'm going to toss it to you and leave it to you and you'll be your decision. Do we talk – about the YouTube brothers that keep making uh, noise in our sports, or do we just sign off and punt it down the, the road? Uh, all right. Um, I, guess, I guess it's in the zeitgeist right now, right? I guess there, I, have a, I, ha- I have to make a couple comments because you brought oh, it up. Right. I wouldn't have even thought about it. But since we brought it up, I have to make a couple comments. And I'll preface it with this. Again, going back to what I said before, depending on what day you catch me, I'm on two different sides of the fence all the time when it comes to this sport. Sometimes I am a, I am a, you know, a purist where I'm like, ah, you don't want to ruin this sport. You don't want to blah, blah, blah. That's one day. You might've even heard me on this podcast sounding like a purist. Then on the other side, I like entertainment. You know, I'm not a huge WWE fan. I know you are, and we've mentioned this multiple times. I'm not a huge, you know, pro wrestling fan. But at the same time, I like storylines. I like the fun behind it. So if we're going to let this snowball roll down this hill, fuck it. Let the snowball roll down the hill. And I say, let it happen. I mean, we already, we know, (laughs) we know that Logan Paul is fighting Mayweather. That's a guaranteed fight. The the agreement signed. It's happening February 20th. It's a legitimate fight. If, if that's happening. Exhibition. Legitimate exhibition. Uh, sorry. Yes. Legitimate exhibition. Because, again, if no one knows, no commission in their goddamn right mind would ever let that be a real fight. 
Yeah, because welterweight versus a fucking cruiserweight, but exactly. So no commissions ever signing off on that. So that is a real expedition. If we're gonna let this snowball, like I said, roll down this hill, let all the snow get gathered in it. I am here for what what Jake Paul's doing. I some like I said, sometimes I'm a purist. I'll I'll say Paul, just for clarity, Logan Paul is the one fighting Mayweather. Mayweather, right. And And Jake Jake Paul is calling out fucking Conor McGregor of all people. Saying he got fifty million on it, and you got other people making YouTube videos about how this motherfucker don't even tip fifty bucks, let alone got fifty million for something. Correct. And yeah. he's throwing water balloons or something at your boy uh, Brandon Schwab. Yeah, uh, Dylan. Yeah, he was interviewing uh, Dylan Dennis, who was a uh, guy, an SUB Ireland guy. He's close with Connor, um, so that's kind of where that comes from. Dylan Dennis, El Jefe, twenty-seven years old, fighting in Bellator. Bellator. Yep. Oh. And the funny part is Dylan Dana said something. He's like, I, I, I don't see him calling me out. He's, he's throwing water bottles, not water bottles, throwing water balloons at me, and he don't he want to call me out, which I love because any fighter would like that attention, that payday, and props to the Paul brothers because if anything, the one positive you could say about them, they're getting fighters paid. The, exactly. So that is exactly why, why I'm on the fence and why I've kind of I've changed my thought process about this. If it was Dylan Dennis calling out the Paul brothers or one of them for a fight, I would not like it. I would be upset about it. That's where I would be like, dude, do your thing. Get your wins. Don't worry about that fuck face over there just because you want a payday. When it's the reverse of that, when it's the opposite of that, when it's one of the Paul brothers going, fuck you, let's fight. Then I go... Go kick his ass. And that's exactly what I said to you to one of our group chats on Instagram. We were talking about it. And that's that's why I'm okay with Connor fighting Jake Paul. Honestly, I really am. I know a lot of peers are going to be pissed about this. But it's not Con- – Connor's not even saying anything. Connor's letting it brush off his shoulder. He's not posting about it. He's not saying shit. He's letting Jake talk, 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 talk because he knows he's going to whoop his ass. So why – if it even happens, and there's if no, it even no, happens, there's no indication that Connor's even on board for it because from every indication Connor has given, he's really back in the UFC lightweight division. So, Correct. He's not playing these games. It is a payday, right? If it, if that fifty million is true, that's just a base. We could talk pay per view points, all that shit, right? That would be a huge fight for Connor. But he is focused on the lightweight division. He is focused on getting his name back to the fans that brought him to the dance. Remember, it was the UFC fans that brought him to the dance. It was the UFC fans that got him the Mayweather fight. It wasn't just, you know what I mean? It, it was what he did in the UFC got him to fight with Mayweather. Even though that was a definitive loss against Mayweather, it's what got him there. So appreciate those fans and i like that's what connor's doing and like i said if it was the converse of this where it's where it's the fighters calling out these youtubers i'm not with it man leave it alone let it go should shouldn't be calling out connor i get why he is because paydays man i ain't knocking any side for that 100 million is 100 million you dig yeah i think jake should fight your boy brandon Dude's a dude's a personality online too but he's brandon shop oh dude he will oh my god I don't think that would be see that's the thing. You don't see you don't see him calling out actual fighters. Like that's the thing. He's calling out the oh, yeah, clarity, you mentioned clarity, last clarity. time, the pink elephants. No, okay. clarity. He wants to fight Connor in a boxing match, not, not in the octagon. Exactly. He's calling out people that he knows he will make a fight. 
the reason he's calling out Dylan Dennis is because Dylan Dennis is not this amazing striker. For anyone that knows kind of the background, he's in Bellator right now, but he's a real good jujitsu guy, really great on the ground. He would snap him in half if it was in an octagon, but he also wants to box Dylan Dennis. That's the thing. He's not calling these guys out in the sports that they're in. And yeah, right. I think Jake is trying to one-up his brother. And sorry to say, that's what Jake's fucking doing. He's a little salty that his brother got this giant deal with Mayweather, even though it's an exhibition bout. you got to be salty. You're like, what the fuck, man? So, you know, it's shitty that we have to talk about it, but it's in the zeitgeist of fighting right now, and it's real. And like I said, let, let it happen. I said to you guys on, on the chat, I said to you and a couple of our friends on the chat, let it happen, man. Just He wants to get his ass whooped. Let his ass get whooped. In a boxing match, I don't think – Jake has what it takes. He's been training. I don't know, man. That's I'm when good, I get. That's I'm when I get on this because we're gonna have to talk about it whenever yeah. these bullshit fights happen. Yeah, like I'm, I'm over it, man. Let the um, Logan Paul one happen, and then we'll go from there. But we're gonna have one more pod before it's all said and done. So either we're gonna do the Reebok deal, a little peek behind the curtains for everybody. Either we're gonna talk mm-hmm. about this terrible Reebok deal, or we're gonna talk about the clusterfuck of a year that is 2020. But since we've been living in this clusterfuck of a year that is 2020, I feel like me and you can both say our favorite fights and leave it at that because obviously all of our worst moments are all the shit we got robbed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all the worst moments are what we got robbed. I think we could do something uh, a little fun. We'll do do like a, uh, like you said, we'll mention some of our favorite fights, give our fights of the year, maybe our fighters of the year, just what we came to love about the sport in 2020. and with the Reebok deal, that's a good thing too because this is the final year for Reebok. So we can preview that and uh, Venom's going to be coming in as the sponsor for UFC. So that's definitely a good one to do. We can we, we can definitely get both in there. Tell them where they can find you. Uh, all the uh, socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that at Owens 1105 uh, Yeah, all the socials there, Owens 1105 and you can find us both at the underscore dope blog on Instagram, at the dope blog on Twitter, and at the dope blog and podcast on Facebook. Peace. See ya. I'm ill. I'm ill. Bigger than your average. Uh.